Hello everyone, today is August 11th, 2016. I'm your podcast host, Client Manager John Niggle of InTouch Manufacturing Services. InTouch is an American-owned company headquartered in Shenzhen, China that specializes in everything from quality control product inspections to factory audits, social compliance, and sourcing. The topic of this episode today is what do suppliers do with rejected products? And joining me to talk about that is Chao Wang, fellow client manager. Hello, Chao. How are you? Hi, John. Good to be here. Excellent. So this is based off a blog article that Chao wrote back in June of this year. So you've been on the podcast before and you mentioned that you had some experience working with factories prior to coming to InTouch about three years ago. So how long did you do that? Prior to InTouch, I was actually in two different factories, total amount of years of three years. Both factories were doing electronic-related products. The first one is strictly electronic, like tablets, cell phones. And then the second one is a Japanese factory where they do more precision type of products, subplastic lens, which are very small lens that are used on cars and computers. Okay. So you've got a lot of experience in manufacturing. You've got some experience in terms of product quality more than the average consumer for sure. When we talk about what suppliers might do with rejected products, I think it's an interesting question because I think most importers don't really think to ask. And I think a lot of importers don't really consider the possible consequences of telling a supplier like, listen, this product is not what I want. Destroy it. Do not include it with the order or we won't accept it, you know, for whatever reason. And that could be problematic. Is that right? That's right. Most importers will probably would leave up to the factory to do the right thing, but they never ask any questions about exactly what they would do. That potentially could cause a lot of issues later on, especially if you're not working with a very good supplier. Okay, let's talk about these possibilities of things suppliers might do with rejected products, starting with shipping rejected products together with acceptable goods. Tell us what you mean by that. Well, that's very straightforward. After inspection, the importer might ask the supplier to throw away or replace the rejected products. A good supplier, possibly they would do this. But for a lot of suppliers, they may just choose to kind of mix in the rejected products to this shipment or the next one so they can save on costs. I mean, if the importer is not paying for it, then it's very unlikely for the supplier to actually destroy or toss these. Okay, so basically after the product is checked during inspection or what have you, if there's product that doesn't meet the required standard and it's rejected, it might be just thrown in in that order or subsequent orders later and just sold as regular product would be. Is that right? Right, it was shipped back to the importer. Okay. And you mentioned in the article too that this could be a problem, especially if the product is more expensive, if it's something like jewelry or whatnot. Obviously, it's more costly to receive product that you can't sell if that product is worth more. Is product inspection really a good way to follow up and check that they're getting what they expect in the order after they initially find some rejected products there? Yeah, definitely. Once you had the initial inspection where you find a high number of defects, it's definitely recommended for you to do a follow-up re-inspection after the supplier confirms that they fix all the issues or replace all the defective products. And during this re-inspection, you can just do a random sampling and just to make sure the issues you found before, it's already been fixed. Okay. One of the other methods that you mentioned in the article to make sure that you're getting the right product is to monitor container loading. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, doing the container loading, um, we could actually go over to our monitor when they're loading the container. And doing this process, we can also pick out a few samples to make sure there are no defective ones that's being mixed in with the good products. And after that, we can see the, the supplier put the seal on the container to make sure that the container is locked and actually ship away instead of them taking out a few boxes and putting some defects in the container. You know, I agree it's a good way to really see what's going into the container. And as you said, you can pull a sample and make sure of the quality of those pieces before the container is fully loaded. And by sort of noting the seal during that process, the importer, when they receive it in their distribution center, what have you, they can confirm it's the same seal in the container. It hasn't been opened since it shipped, and there's been really no tampering with that. The second point that you mentioned here is sometimes suppliers will rework or repair defective goods, and this is a pretty common option. So if a product has some quality issues that can be fixed, an example in the article you used was like maybe some loose threads on garments can be trimmed. But there are cases we've talked about, I think, before when an importer might not want the factory workers to rework the items. Is that right? That's right. There are a few instances where you may not want to actually rework. One would be if you're in a hurry to get the shipment and the rework process will cause significant delay. If most of the issues will not cost the final consumer to return the goods, then you may choose to ship the products instead of reworking them. Another point is when the defects are being reworked, there are often cases where doing the reworking process, because there are a lot of handling, they may cause additional defects, which is something you really don't want. So instead of making more defects, if it's not serious enough, you may want to just pass the minor defects and have them ship them right away. Yeah, I would agree. Sometimes there's a few minor defects in an order and the importer might just say, I'll just ship it anyways because they have commitments to make to their customers. The issue of introducing new defects is one that comes up from time to time. And a classic example that I keep going back to is injection molding. If there's flash on the product, usually the workers have to trim it by hand with a utility blade or scissors or what have you. And there's a good chance taking a knife to the product could scratch the product, it could chip the product it could introduce new types of defects to the surface of the product. So that's an important thing to consider. As far as confirming the rework, I think you mentioned that inspection is a good way to do that as well. Is that right? That's right. After a rework, again, same as the container loading, where you might want us to go back to do a re-inspection to make sure everything is fixed before you okay the supplier to ship. Okay. So the third point here, what do suppliers do with rejected products is selling rejected goods to other customers. And I think this is probably the worst case scenario that you mentioned here. How does that happen? Who are these you know, potential customers that are receiving the goods from the supplier that the importer is rejected? For a lot of these products, your supplier might make a product for the same industry. So when you reject the products, they may put a discount on those defective products and sell it to someone else. If your products don't have any labels or it doesn't have any pattern, it's, if it's not as a special design, then it wouldn't be so bad. But if your products have compressed logo on the product itself, or if these products are a special design by you only, then this could cost you a lot of money and potential a lot of market. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point that suppliers 
especially bigger, more established suppliers, they often have several or more clients making similar products and they might make high-end products or they might make low-end products in the same facility. So if there's a quality defect that you might not be able to accept as an importer, maybe they have a customer who makes lower quality goods or more low-end products that could accept it and they could sort of save on that loss by just selling the product to another customer. You also mentioned that the logo could be a real issue and I think that's a good point too because if the product doesn't meet your requirements for quality especially and it ends up on the open market with your logo, it's going to hurt your brand potentially and cost you a lot of money as you said. It's also mentioned in the article that Chinese counterfeiting costs foreign firms about $20 billion a year in lost profits. So I think your point about having a patented design or a unique design really is relevant there because if that design is sort of leaked to other importers or other manufacturers, it's a really easy way to have that intellectual property used to make counterfeit goods at other places. The last point that you mentioned here is destroying rejected products. And this may seem, I guess, like a last resort for some importers, but it is something that I've seen here at InTouch and you've actually worked with a client that insisted on destroying a defective product. Do you want to maybe start by telling us that situation and how that happened? Sure. That was a case where the supplier was a family business. When the first generation boss decided to retire, his kids was taking over the factory, but they weren't too willing to take over the family business. So at the end, it caused a lot of delays uh, for their clients and the product's quality was going down, the time was getting longer. So many of their clients decided to work with someone else instead. But for this particular client, they had a very big order, a few big orders with the supplier. So at the end, they have to go to court to decide what to do with these defiled products because they can't sell it under their brand. It would damage their brand reputation. So instead of taking these as discount, they finally agree to destroy these. The client would pay a small amount to cover the cost and then the supplier would take on the rest of the cost and then they would destroy the product completely. And what happened with us was we were there to oversee the whole destruction process where the products are being loaded from the factory all the way to the destruction site and to destroying the last piece of product. We were overseeing that to make sure uh, everything was done properly. Yeah, I think the product that you mentioned before to me was some sort of fitness gloves or exercise gloves for, for like a gym. You know, as you said, when there's a change in ownership, sometimes there's a change in the quality of the product so that there are quality issues that happen in later orders for the same customers. I think one of the main reasons for destroying rejected products here is that there was a logo on the product. Is that right? And they didn't want their logo to be associated with the quality level that was coming out. Is that right? That's right. The client just don't want their logo to appear somewhere else selling at a discount and damaging their brand. Yeah, you also mentioned that the importer sort of had to cover some of the cost of the goods. And I think that's a common point to consider as well for imports is that in order to make sure that the factory is cooperative with the destruction, they might have to pay them to cover some of the cost of the goods. Otherwise, it may make more sense for them to try and sell it on the open market. The second important part that you mentioned there is discussing the best method for destruction. How did the client, in this case, the customer, decide to destroy these exercise gloves? What happened with them is they set up the whole process itself where they would track it all the way to each box. So when we're loading the products to the destruction site, 
we were going through a checklist, checking off each box to make sure every product was accounted for, and then transporting all the products to the destruction site again, making sure nothing was missed throughout the destruction, and making sure everything was destroyed, so nothing can be sold by maybe the destruction site manager or one of the worker or someone else. Yeah, so you mentioned it was really important to keep track, obviously, of all the shipper cartons, make sure that all the product was there so they weren't missing any, and tracking that from, I guess, the factory to the destruction site and then through to destruction. What did they do to destroy the product? Like, what did they physically do to destroy it? Well, for this particular client, the product is pretty much textile. What we do is use an industrial shredder to shred the gloves completely, making sure they cannot be reused or resold. So pretty much they just fed all the gloves carton by carton into a shredder, sort of like a, a wood chipper to just shred up the material. Is that right? That's right. Okay. So yeah, that's one of the points you mentioned too, is discussing the best method for destruction. And I guess that, that would be important because you want to make sure that it's relatively low cost, relatively efficient. And maybe if there's equipment that needs to be rented, depending on the relationship with the supplier, maybe the customer or the importer might have to cover that cost as well. So overseeing the destruction method by having a third party go there or go there on your own is important as well. I think the conclusion here for how suppliers deal with rejected products is the message to the importer is to be clear with expectations up front, as you mentioned in the article. Inspect the products before shipping. And if worse comes to worse and the product really needs to be destroyed, it's important that they discuss the best way to destroy the rejected products. In this case, you mentioned here destroying with a wood chipper or, or a shredder, industrial shredder. But that all needs to be worked out ideally in advance before the products are rejected to begin with. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, all importers should to make sure that all the expectations are clear, just like you said. It's much safer for them to actually pay a little bit extra to the third-party inspection or come over to China themselves to oversee either the reward process or the destroying process. Because if you leave that up to the suppliers themselves, it's not very likely things will be done properly. So pretty much if they can earn back that loss by selling the product elsewhere, they're more likely to do that than to just do favors for the importer without seeing that loss recuperated. Is that right? That's right. Also, it could be they tried to destroy or doing the rework, but their workers or someone else wasn't following the procedures properly. For example, a worker or truck driver or someone else taking extra box here and there and resolding the market. Okay. Well, I think it's a pretty good summation there. I want to thank my guest Chao Huang for joining me to talk about what his suppliers do with rejected products. So thanks again, Chao. Thank you, John. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to today's broadcast and remind you guys to check us out on our social media channels. That is namely Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter for some daily tips, news and advice there. You can also check out our SlideShare channel by searching In Touch Quality. We've got a couple SlideShare decks that are very informative. If you would like to check out our YouTube channel, you'll find some interviews with industry experts and some on-site inspection videos as well. And lastly, if you'd like to get in contact with us directly, you can drop us a line on our company website. That is www.intouchquality.com. Thank you.